Hey, Bree, how you doing? Hey, good and pretty good. How are you, Mario? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Hey, I was psyched to see you and Cameron climbing last week. How did uh, your session go? It was pretty good. Haven't been on ropes in a while. I feel like I just need to start training a little bit more again. What was that hangboard you mentioned to us? Uh, oh, it was a flashboard. And I think it's the best one because you can use it indoors. You can use it outdoors. It doesn't merely matter where you use it. You can hang it on stuff. You don't have to mount it to your wall, so it's pretty dope. Oh, that's great because I feel like I can't put holes anywhere in my house, but yeah, that's awesome. Where can I get it? Uh, you can go to Tension's website and then whenever you do, just drop in the promo code TENSIONSAS20. You'll get 20% off. You'll support the podcast and yeah, but then they'll get it to you on the quickness. Oh, sick. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Are you guys climbing again this weekend? Yeah, I think we'll hit up uh, maybe the new... Rope gym down in the design district. Oh, the new movement is finally open. Nice. Finally, after our long wait. I know. That's a long wait, but I'm excited. Well, I'm looking forward to climbing with both of you guys, and I'll see you guys this weekend. Yeah, I'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. Friends and enemies, lovers and haters, welcome to Sends and Suffers podcast. I am your host, Mario Stanley. If you haven't already, please follow, like, and subscribe to Sends and Suffers podcast. Every bit counts and we would love to hear from you. So take a moment to leave a comment. These go a long way and help others know what they're getting into and how good this show is. If this is one of your favorite podcasts, consider becoming a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you are investing in Sense and Suffers podcast. And it's like buying your boy a taco, hanging out and getting to know the good, good that is coming your way. Monthly recaps early show releases, and all the other cool things that we do. Thank you so much for listening to Sends and Suffers podcasts. This episode is part two of a conversation with my boy Daniel from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, I know we left you on a little bit of a cliffhanger, but don't worry, it's worth it. This conversation gets deep, it gets real, but most importantly, this conversation is just beautiful between two gentlemen talking. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode with Daniel and I don't know what else to say. I always feel like I have something else I want to say, but you know something? I'm just going to be me. I'm out. Enjoy the show. Like this is the simplest thing I could say. Like I think climbing allows for you to like be in the most beautiful places on earth. Like. Wait, wait, I want to say this again. Yeah, take your time, man. Wait, oh, I've said this before and now it's like not flowing as well. Shoot, dude. dude climbing, climbing puts you, you get to see the most beautiful places in the world from the best spots. Mm. Like, and you get to use your whole humanity to kind of interact with nature. Like, I mean, like if you're on a big route, dude, and you're a thousand feet off the ground, like, 
there's going to be at least moments where you're scared, like, and where you have to like try like hard. And it, like, especially if you're pushing grades on like big roots, like that is a very like emotionally, physically, psychologically, sometimes relationally taxing experience. And then you get to do that in like the most beautiful places in the world. And I think that's like freaking amazing, dude. Like, I would agree. yeah. So you get to mo- like interact intimately, like with the most beautiful places in the world. And like, what could be cooler than that? Like you notice intricacies, like that you would never notice if you weren't climbing, like the shape of rock, like the texture of it, how it feels. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I crave things like that. You get to push yourself and like, I don't know, there's nothing more long-term motivating to me than like a project, I guess. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you feel when the project is done? Dude. Okay. I'm working on this. So I'm like doing therapy right now, like, and trying to like shift some of the things that I do. Sometimes I'm just like, all right, I did it. It's time to move on. Um, and like, all right, what's the next thing I can accomplish? And I'm kind of trying to like move off of the hamster wheel a little bit of performance. Cause I'm also 31 now and my body kind of like slowed down a little bit this year. Um, so like, I think often in the moment, like on the sin go, Sometimes it like flows super easy and sometimes it's like a brutal fight. Mm -hmm. But, um, like I think whenever you're like pushing at the edge of yourself, like there's an inherent presence, like with the moment that comes from that, which is like the most like trendy thing ever to say, I guess. But no, but it's true. It's real dude. Like being grounded in a, like a world that it's really hard to be grounded in. Like when there's so many distractions around and just being really focused oh, on your rock body. climbing grounds you very yeah, quickly. Dude. Like reality, 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 mortality. And mm-hmm. when you were doing come into real grips, real yeah, fast. Dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, man, I haven't been able to climb as hard in like the last like six months, like just due to some like nagging injuries, but like that feeling of like just being like, on the edge of what you know you can do is like one of the coolest, like, or maybe that you don't even know you can do it. Like, mm-hmm. but you're just on the edge of like what's possible for you. Like, yeah, it's like a, this kind of like unifying thing, like that everybody can get to experience no matter how hard you climb to like, there's something really good about that, man. Like, yeah. 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 No, climbing is like this, like unifying and equalizing sport, I think in a lot of ways. No, I, I definitely pick up what you're putting down. Yeah. I think, um, when the project is done, Mm -hmm. do you tend to want the next thing? Are you trying to move into like allowing yourself to like, like bathe in that moment? You know, like, are you trying to allowing yourself to just kind of swim around in the sauce of the send Mm -hmm. or do you, are you feeling bad that you want to move on to the next project because uh, it's just interesting because listening to your answer, like I still don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I still don't actually know. That well, no, you did in a mm-hmm. way, but like, I, I think I hear your answer, but I'm just curious. It's like, so I, I said this to a friend of mine recently and I, well, I said that actually to a bunch of people recently. Um, but is what you are doing trying to redefine your relationship with climbing? Yeah, very much so. That's what I'm and trying to do right why, now. Why? What was the catalyst? Was the injuries the catalyst? But what was the catalyst that made you realize that like, 
I don't have a bad relationship with climbing, but I'm realizing I don't have the relationship that I think I have with climbing. And that I want to have maybe too. And and now I want to have this other relationship or I need to discover what this other relationship looks like. What was that moment that made you realize that? Dude, it was this spring and I kind of been like, Oh, uh, it's been there for a while. Like this kind of like nudge and this feeling of like burnout a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably been going like for like the last like two years, but it kind of like caught up to me a little bit this spring. Um, and yeah, I kind of got done with the spring season and I didn't knock out any of the goals that I wanted to. Cause I think I like, this was like, right around this time, my like tendonitis like flared up in my elbows and my knees. So like, so I was like kind of psychologically burnout and physically all happening at the same time. Yeah, and yeah, yeah cause it, I think I was kind of in this space of like, okay, like keep pushing like next hardest route that I can do like next grade, like overtraining and like, yeah. So I think I would get done with roots and kind of think there's definitely like, it was, it's complicated. Like there's like tons of joy at the same time, but then also soon after would be like, okay, time to dial in. Like maybe like before I even leave the crag that day. Okay. Like what's next? Like what's the next goal? Like, I mean, do you feel bad that you're like, okay, what's next? Like what's the next goal? Or is it more like, okay, cool. It's felt like more of a burden, I guess at that point too. Like, uh, okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to shift. Like in my own mindset, I guess is like, okay, I have to be like, like there's this like inner drive within me. That's like, okay, I just have to be climbing harder and harder and harder. And like, I think that's a good, it's not necessarily bad, but I think it's like what it does to you psychologically that would like say whether or not it was healthy and good for the individual. So it's going to look like different for different people, I guess. But for me, it felt like tiring. I can see that. A little bit. Yeah. So like, I think I came to the point where I was like, man, like, the best moments that I've had outside have been the ones that I like got to project with like people that I love, like alongside them. Like I got to do this route in the Wichita's that was like my first five twelve in the Wichita's called Rap Bolters from Hell. Um, so good, it's so good, dude. And like so good. My friend Drew and I were both projecting that one day, and like it was this like freezing day. And like, it was like a little bit brutal condition wise, but we like sent it back to back and it just like felt so freaking good. And then we both like jugged up the line to like shoot photos of each other, like on the route too, like, and it was just like this moment where like me and my friend got to like share this like really cool experience together. And I'll like, and I was like, even that day I was still like, okay, I want to like, what's the next hardest route I can do. Um, but like, I remember that day, like specifically sticking out at the same time and being like, oh, like I got to do this with like Drew, like my wife was there and she was like mega psyched. And she was also projecting on the route that day too. And like, it was just this community thing and it was like relationship building and like lots of smiles and lots of psych, like at the same time. And then, so like, I'm kind of like looking back through like the memory book of like, okay, like what did my body like react the most to like enjoy and like, that's what I want to reproduce in climbing. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, so yeah. So I'm like, 
I think I've like been a little bit at war, like between like, um, like my ego motivations maybe. And then like what my body wants to do. And I think my body was kind of like telling me that this year. Yeah. Like trying to cash checks. a little bit, man. Yeah. Like, trying to cash checks that your body doesn't want to cash. Yeah, dude. I get yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think you go through waves of that too. I like how uh, I definitely want to say like, just like from a coaching perspective, like don't lose the stoke just because yeah. the, don't lose the stoke because the sends aren't happening. And I definitely, I would tell you, I'd encourage you the moment you send a project, bathe in it for it, yeah, run with dude. it, lavish in it, dude, just get lost in the sauce. But I think you definitely should immediately right after that, look for other projects. I think yeah, you should look yeah. for other things, but I don't think it should be like, okay, it's the next harder thing. Like, okay. Like one of the things I always teach the kids is in any adult or anybody I'm training, I always, I never t- tell them either. They always ask me what the grades are or what is the tag means. And I never tell them, yeah, I'm like, dude. read the route. And I'm like, does it look cool? And they're like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's just climb it. Uh-huh. And I think sometimes, you know, I encourage people to like, you know, w- or jump outside of your discipline. Like mm-hmm. maybe another project could be something hiking or mountaineering or yeah, yeah. something different. Like I think sometimes, especially if you're trying to like re- work around injury, mm-hmm. it's very, 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 very challenging. Yeah. Sometimes to kind of keep beating on your body. Yeah, dude. It, yeah. It, so you are also an established a well-established and a very, very incredible photographer. And you recently made a documentary. Yeah, dude, I did. Um, yeah. So I live in Tulsa. Tulsa is like a pretty wild city. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of like, you wouldn't know that if you just drove through, but there's like a ton of history in Tulsa that once you start to like look into it, it's like a pretty wild place, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for those that don't know, because this like wasn't really talked about until recently, um, there's this event called the Tulsa race massacre Yep. in 1921 where, um, uh, there was kind of this inciting incident incident where a black man was accused of, I don't know, somehow like assaulting the honor of a white woman in an elevator. Um, and that like sparked this like massive thing where like lots of city blocks of like the most prosperous black community in the country was destroyed and burned down, which is like this, like, yeah, it's kind of hard not to like talk about that event, like without crying, like a huge tragedy. Yeah. It was dark. Um, and it still has like a dramatic effect on my city today because like it was this thing that happened. And then nobody would talk about it. Cause like at that point, like Tulsa was like a bustling like city, but it still wasn't huge. Like, mm-hmm. um, so like, I think the black community didn't want to talk about it out of fear and the white community in Tulsa didn't want to talk about it out of shame. Um, which like is those two things we could dive into and have long conversations about. I mean, we but, were talking about it on the car ride up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we were. Yeah, yeah. That's a really important thing, dude. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's, uh, because it wasn't talked about, it wasn't really recorded, uh, that much in written history. So there's a lot of oral history passed down about the race massacre. Um, but out of like a want to know more about it, my city, the city of Tulsa started, uh, 
investigation into locating um, the mass graves that were left from that event, um, which nobody really. I didn't know there were mass graves. Yeah, it's a dude. It's crazy. Um. Uh. So the documentary that we made is about that investigation. Um. It's called. I just blanked on the name of this documentary that I spent the last year making. Oh, God. shoot, dude. <laughs> like, there's, I haven't spent more time on anything else in the last year than that. So yeah, the documentary is called Oaklawn, which is the name of the cemetery that, uh, the first like archeological digs were done in. Um, that was like one of the proposed sites of mass graves. So there's an oral history around these mass graves, but they're not really recorded anywhere. There's not like, any hard data about like what uh, was going on with them. Um, Can people watch your documentary? Dude, we're working on distribution uh, right now. Um, maybe that's something we can add to show notes or something later yeah. once we get something dialed on it. Yeah, but absolutely. I really do. If anybody wants to screen it, they should talk to me. Well, what um, it, real quick, can we just like briefly touch on like, what does someone need to know? Like oh, what is yeah, the ABC? Yeah. Like if I want to screen this thing tomorrow in my climbing gym or in my local community, what is ABC I need to know to make it happen? Um, you need to have a space that you have permission to use. Um, and then like the equipment to screen a film. So like a projector mm -hmm. or a big TV or something and seating for people to see it in. And then, uh, talk to me. And we can make it happen. Okay. Is there so, permitting things? Like, like uh, if you talk to me, we will make sure it gets screened. Okay. Perfect. Um, perfect. Because yeah. So I guess the unfortunate part and why we made this documentary is not just because like we're trying to find this data, but like our city was not super forthright in the way that it did this investigation. Um, and it's rather than becoming this thing that was like healing for our community to kind of like see what actually happened here and we can like grieve and mourn what happened as a community. Turned it kind of became like investigation. this. Well, and it became this thing that we would talk about in like uh, press events as like, we want it to be like transparent and everybody to know. And we want input from the community to like, um, like we're not really going to do due diligence uh, around this. And we actually don't want input from the community and we are not really going to be super serious about sharing the results of our findings. Um, or the city was kind of like that. Um, so there was a public oversight committee uh, that was made up of like a lot of different people, but many people who were descendants of the race massacre. Um, victims or perpetrators? Uh, victims. And who knows if some people were perpetrators or not. Like their, some of their names are known, but most of them aren't um, because it was never really... Recorded anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, so yeah. Uh, that public oversight committee, uh, made a lot of recommendations that were not listened to. And it's, this is an ongoing investigation in our city too. Oh, it's still going. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of become like more and more behind closed doors and more and more disheartening and kind of like re-traumatizing for our community. Um, so we made a documentary that was telling, uh, the story of what happened from members of the public oversight committee. Um, uh, most of whom we interviewed, there was 
multiple members of the oversight committee. Um, uh, most of them were also like their activists in their, in their community, of course, and descendants of the massacre as well. Um, so it's a wild story. Um, and we really want kind of more national eyes to be on what's going on. Um, so one of the reasons that the investigation happened was because the centennial of that event was last summer, of course. So like while all of like the news cameras were kind of like focused on Tulsa around the centennial of the race massacre, um, those in charge of like making things happen did a pretty good job of like, uh, controlling, uh, the image of what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as soon as those cameras weren't focused on Tulsa after the centennial, a lot of wild stuff started to happen. Um, and yeah, uh, I really care about our city and the unity of our city. Um, and unfortunately that like, uh, yeah, has created like a deeper rift in a city that was already like had a history of mistrust along racial lines. And yeah, yeah, that really stinks. Um, so I really want like, the word to get out about this story specifically and for people to like know what's going on in Tulsa, because if like Tulsa can do a good job, like as a city and like, kind of like, I don't know, create a model for what racial reconciliation looks like. I think that model can be reproduced in any other city in the U S mm-hmm. and like it needs to be reproduced. <laughs> like, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Well, I would love to, after we're done with this weekend, I'd definitely love to talk to you about figuring out how to show it in Dallas. I have a few places. Dude, let's talk for yeah, yeah. sure. I, I have a few places we can definitely do okay, it. Okay, cool. I know. Yeah. And as long as you're down, then. Yeah, we, yeah, we want to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, okay. It, it, it's a done deal. We'll Sweet. make it happen. Okay. So, yeah, man, it's wild. So, um, and your, so did your photography lead to document shooting you a documentary? Uh, like, this yeah. Is, is so this a like, natural progression? Dude, I kind of like stumbled into photography by accident. Like the first backpacking trip I went on to like go do some 14ers. I had like a little Nikon point and shoot camera with me. And I like, I guess like pointed it at the right stuff without like really meaning to and shot some like really cool photos that I came back from the trip. And I was like, what the heck? Like, this is really beautiful. Like, I can't believe like I get to like kind of hold these moments like that I saw and like now have them forever. Um, so I guess I'm like very, this is like going to sound like super corny, but like, I'm really motivated by like visual beauty and I think landscapes are like, uh, just extraordinarily beautiful things. That's why one of the reasons I climb like, yeah, yeah, uh, makes sense. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of like started like looking at those photos. Like when I got back from that trip and was like, huh, I think I'm going to start taking more and more photos now. And I kind of just like built the habit of it. Like, like if you look at my early Instagram photos, dude, like I did not know what I was doing at all. <laughs> Oversaturation to the max. Oh dude. I think um, that was, oh, dude, that was early Instagram. Early Instagram was no different than early MySpace or Facebook. Yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Um, but dude, I'm also kind of thankful that I had that like low pressure space to just like express what I wanted to like, 
and like make it what it was and like learn and like refine the art without like a fear of failure because like whatever I thought I was doing, I thought it was beautiful and that's pretty cool. Uh, and that motivated me to like keep creating. And then like, I learned a lot and grew as a photographer. Like, so I was always motivated to travel and like, especially once I like really like took ownership of climbing, like was even more motivated to go do it. And once I learned how to play skier, like that was like a huge, like level of freedom for me that like, um, ah, it's just such a cool thing, man. Track climbing is just like the best. I guess like it just opens up so many opportunities I mean, in the world. I would agree. Not yeah. everybody does, but yeah. I, I'm a big fan of like, doesn't matter what it is. Like, it, like I just show up to climb the rock. If it's a boulder, yeah. mm-hmm. great. If it's track climbing, great. Sport yeah. climbing, great. A climbing, great. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're just, whatever it is, I'm, I'm here to climb rocks. That's yeah. generally what I always mm-hmm. tell people. I'm like, that's all I showed up for. Yeah. If there's no, no rocks to be climbed. Then I'm going to be hanging out. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So I guess I just like always had my camera with me. And then like the more I started climbing, like my camera just always stayed like with me alongside me. And then I started hanging from ropes to achieve photos and, uh, growing as a photographer too. And then, yeah, I kind of transitioned to film out of photography. Cause I mean, making money as a filmmaker is a lot easier than making money as a photographer, like yeah. in this like uh, post Instagram world that we're in yeah. and post like digital camera world too. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, and then I feel making like brings a lot of opportunity to tell more complex stories that are like very, I don't know. It captures more of the human experience. One frame, like in a photo, like, gives you an insight into something like beautiful, but there's a lot of interpretation that's done on the part of the person. Like you can't really see what's going on, like behind the scenes there. Like you Mm -hmm. see this beautiful image and there's inherent value, I think in that. And I think there's something special about like leaving it up to the observer to. It's funny. Imagine. You, you, when you say that you remind me of a photo and I can't remember which president it is, but there's a famous president, a famous photo of a president leaning over the presidential desk in the Oval Office. And it's like his hands are out on the side and it's dark and it's gloom and it looks down and like his head's down. And he's like, it just looks so ominous. Mm-hmm. But the actual paper is him just reading the paper. The actual <laughs> photo is funny, him dude. just reading the paper. Yeah. But like the way it looks it, and it's like that photo has been used as like the weight that is on presidential shoulders. Cause it's very, it's yeah, very I mean, ominous. It tells a story. Yeah. It's very ominous. Mm-hmm. But like, but when you hear the story, like the photographer was just like, Oh, this is a really cool yeah, moment. I just took this photo. Yeah. I took this photo. And I hit just right. And I snapped the shot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and next, you know, like reading the paper turned into a rally cried, yeah, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, but I definitely agree with that. It's funny. I've been thinking, I've been wondering this for a while. Maybe it's just my social media, but I feel like there's been like this, light rise and in interest in film cameras again. Yeah. And I'm like really hoping to see this, like I'm really hoping to see like the rebirth of like dark rooms and like printing and printing yeah, large dude. format. Like dude, large format photography is really cool. Like is, there's so many freaking rad things that you could do with it. it. Is, yeah. Dude, there's this guy that I, no, yo. Yeah. Yeah. This dude that I follow, I don't really know. I don't know if he just takes stuff, but they did this really cool thing where they took some film and then they put like 
Kool-Aid in it. Like they oh, put water, the heck, like dyed it, uh-huh. like they threw all this stuff and it leaked into the film. And then when they took photos, the photos all had this like rainbow color effect. Oh, on the back of it. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. There's all sorts of like wild stuff that you could do that like is somewhat like unpredictable, like digital cameras nowadays like dude you don't have to be that good of a photographer to like get a good photo like yeah you see you shoot you go but like yeah. with film you I, have to be good at what you're doing yeah and yeah. i think it it allows like i okay so call me crazy but i think shooting with a film cap camera is like having a birthday every time you go to develop because oh, you don't know yeah, what, you don't know what you're gonna get yeah and like some huh. of this is trash and yeah like, <laughs> yeah you're gonna like open some presents and get like disappointed oh it's like half of over like you know when a kid gets the first camera or they're all nosebleed shots yeah, dude and yeah yeah and like but like some of it is great i was like thinking about like those old uh e9 or e whatever like the little roll films those long, uh-huh. long rectangular yeah ones. yeah my parents used to give us those cameras and they, i remember they gave us bags of film and yeah, they developed dude. all of those things i don't know where all those is but they gave us bags of film and my dad was like you guys would just snap photos all summer yeah you would snap so many photos you would forget what you take yeah yeah and so i think that's something definitely like it's really silly and uh but i definitely know whenever i have kids i want to do this like i want to give them a disposable camera mm-hmm. and i'm like you have to take you know, and I don't think they'll actually listen to me. They're going to burn them all in like five seconds. But yeah. I'm like, you get one disposable camera a week. And like when we go on a family growth and uh-huh. your job is to take some photos that you think you're going to be proud of. Yeah. And then when we get back every week, I want to take them to develop that photo. Or we develop ourselves in a dark room. Cause you can turn a bathroom into a dark room. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh-huh. But I think it'd be cool. Cause then they're going to be like, Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause you know, your brain is like a Polaroid. Mm-hmm. Like you take, you see someone and that image of that person doesn't change in your mind until you see them again. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's very, it's good to challenge your memories. And I think, you know, with Instagram and social media, it's just so easy to be like, okay, boom, this, this, this. But I like the concept of like, you have to wait for the happy birthday song to be over. You have to wait for it in order to open your presence. Yeah. And then you get to see. There has see. to be like a level of like anticipation and tension yeah. and like, oh, dude, who knows what's going to come out now, man. It's the same thing like getting on a boulder you don't know. Yeah. Same yeah, thing. dude. Same yeah. thing. Dude, right. there's nothing better than onsliding or flashing. Yeah. yeah. Like that's like the best experience. Or wouldn't the same be like you, you really hope you got this photo right mm-hmm. and then it develops and you're just like, oh, yeah, I nailed it. I wanted it to be. And then, dude, yeah, like you take those moments and you learn too when it yeah, doesn't yeah. work out, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. When they're trash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that thing that I really wanted to do that was cool. I didn't Not freaking do out. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yup. <laughs> yeah. Dude, uh, nothing good. I okay, so I'm like saying this and I'm like preaching to myself at the same time. Like nothing good happens without failing. Like I really don't think oh. that you're going to produce like anything amazing without failing a lot Failure in the process. Breeds success. Yeah. Failure breeds success. Yeah. And anyone who is like I have this saying that I say and so many people tell tell me this thing is stupid, but I I've had a lot of people tell me this saying is stupid what I'm about to say, but I, I'm a firm believer. I'd rather be wrong than right any day of the week. Because if I'm willing to be wrong, I'm willing to learn. And I know people all the time, it's like, I'd rather be right all the time. I'm like, no, dude, I used to say that for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now. I like so many people I know, they're like, oh no, I would rather be right to be yeah, right. I'm yeah. like, so it, you are more concerned about how you look. Mm-hmm. You are more concerned about how you're perceived. Mm-hmm. You're more concerned 
that your ego, yourself needs to be right. And I'm not saying I always want to be wrong. I'm not trying to walk over. Oh this yeah, world. for sure. I'm not trying to walk through this world with folly, but what I am trying to walk through this world is like, I know nothing. Humility. Yeah. And like real humility. Like, like I, like there is so much that I know that I don't know. Yeah. You know? Dude. And I think I, you know, I'm pretty good at reading people and perceptions of people's personality, but there's just a lot in the world that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, um, Oh man, dude. And the more I love that, like, I think it's like, yeah, I think it's like described by the Dunning Kruger effect, which I think describes the negative of it. But like what the positive, that? it's like, if you don't know that much about something, you'll like talk a lot. Like you like know what's going on and like everything is like going well. But then like the more you like really learn about something, the more you realize like, oh my gosh, there's so much that I don't know. I think that's like science in the universe. Yeah, the more we yeah. think we like we discover it, the more yeah. we realize we have no idea. Any intellectual going. pursuit is that way. Like history, like psychology, it's not like I'm a professional in any of those things, but I'm interested. But like, like the more that you learn, the more you're like, man, there's like not like dialed in answers to this. No. And there's a lot more complexity than I expected there to be. Yeah. 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 And filmmaking is very much that way. Like too. Oh yeah. Especially when you start trying to get more creative mm -hmm. and like the creative process of it. Like I'm like, re by no means am I doing this now, but it's on my bucket list of like, I'm going to shoot myself in the face when I say, wanting to say this, but like my goal is to be get, I want to become decent at Adobe after effects. Yeah. And every time I step into that program, I want to like murder myself. Yeah. Dude. It's like, so it's not that hard, but it's, I don't know what it is. It's conceptually hard for me to wrap my brain. Around uh, that dude, program. it is for me too, man. I just want to be able to like pull templates and like change them slightly in after effects. Like that's all I want to be no, able to do. I want to be able to create. Like, that's enough of a challenge for me, man. Yeah. No, I want to be able to create it from scratch yeah. and like get the, like the thing to do exactly mm -hmm. what I want to be able to do. Cause I'm so nitpicky about yeah. like those details, but it's like, I've made a promise with myself. Like I'm trying to essentially right now the way it's starting, cause I don't have enough content to do it, but like I'm trying to edit one thing a week. Like I'm trying to make one short, like, the, the, so the, the deal that I made, short the type of edit. Well, so the contract I made with myself this year is like, kind of like, you know, as much as I, this person annoys me, but you know, his college dropout album was the best, but you know, five, some five beats a day for five summers, Kanye, mm -hmm. you know, what I'm trying to practice is, is like, I'm trying to make one short little either a teaser or a long form thing. Like I've shared with you that mm -hmm. what we're here to shoot this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to make one every two weeks. And then once I get better at it, I want to try to make one a week. And then as long as I'm still recording, pardon, as long as I'm still recording, doing these interviews, doing these things, theoretically speaking, I should be getting faster and better yeah. mm -hmm. and doing this. And then I want to get to the point where then when I'm able to hire someone to help, I can truly express like clearly like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Cause mm -hmm. I know how to explain it right now, but I'm also still kind of like figuring out what's in the sauce, mm -hmm. you know? Oh like, dude, for yeah. sure. Still figuring There's out There's a lot the of sauce mole. to figure out in filmmaking, dude. Yeah, dude, dude, it's mole. Yeah. Filmmaking is straight mole. Yeah, dude. I like, so I would say like, I'm a pretty decent photographer. Like there's definitely a lot of people who are better than me for sure. But like, I kind of like, know my way around cameras and lens choices and lighting situations and like 
where I want to be to get the photo that I want. Mm -hmm. And I can usually do that pretty quickly and make some like things that I'm like pretty psyched about afterwards. I kind of like expected those like skills to carry into filmmaking and for it to be like a very natural transition and dude, filmmaking. Oh, it's just, I'm not going to say photography is not complex, but like for me, at least filmmaking is like, it seems infinitely more complex in my brain. Like it's so hard when you add motion movement into anything, it changes up. Cause I think Mm -hmm. photography, the thing with like, that's like the thing with like YouTube filming is so like if you, and I want to be clear, YouTube filming is not hard, but it definitely ain't easy Yeah, yeah because uh-huh. like, but nine times out of 10, you're not moving mm-hmm. and you're just static. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, like the biggest thing that I've been like trying to understand recently because, and this is something that like, I don't know if I've said it on another podcast, but like I eventually want to shoot like a feature length film, like a movie. Yeah, dude. But I want to make a fictional movie. I don't want it to be something like uh, just a documentary. I actually yeah, want to yeah. do that. And one of the things that like in this thing, I've been like wanting to understand because there's a scene in my head, like I need to learn how to shape light, light, dude. but I need to learn how to shape light as a character moves through a scene and the light is going to continuously shape on them mm-hmm. and it was and like, each like step they take has to be like it's different intentionally done yeah and, yeah and yeah. it's like understanding like the magnitude of this situation is like mm-hmm. it it it's challenging and i i know like when you, you get to that level there are people that do that for you mm-hmm. and you know that but you still have to understand at least how to explain it Dude, if you want to be a good dp like or director of photography like the best thing that you can do to learn is like learn how to light scenes yeah like as you're like learning how to become a DP, like time behind the camera definitely matters, but like lighting a scene is the most important thing. And that is going to like separate. I you. mean, you and I yeah. have talked about this. Like one of the best advice someone ever gave me is like, Mario, don't buy a camera, buy lighting equipment yeah, and dude. buy audio equipment. Like they like just buy things to capture good audio mm-hmm. and buy things to capture and make good light. So I have like a ton of modifiers. I have a ton of audio equipment mm-hmm. and I know like, 50 people who have a Sony S. Yeah, dude. Or I know like five people who have FXs. Like yeah. That, like yeah. our nice cameras. Like mm-hmm. everyone I know has a nice camera. Yeah. But the lighting equipment, I think is like, like making sure you have a clean setup. I think yeah. it's definitely been. Clean and like knowing how to use all the tools at hand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you don't. And you're to- always going to be able to learn more because like lighting is like an extraordinarily complex thing just in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, like, it, well, it's funny. Yeah. It, I think it's, I think lighting is actually extremely simple as a concept, mm-hmm. like shaping it, casting shadows, mm-hmm. doing all that. Yeah, like yeah. lighting is a complex lighting gets complicated it? when you like lighting gets complicated when you're not controlling it all the time, especially when you're like shooting in the daytime. Oh, that's shooting, like, things that, yeah. that's where like, cause like lighting to me, like when you sit down and you finally get it done and you like got all your things, it's not that hard mm-hmm. when it's stationary. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. But like the moment you want to like, not just light someone for a YouTube video or for a portrait and you want that portrait to be artistic or you want Mm -hmm. it to be fashion forward. Yeah. That's where it gets super complicated. Mm -hmm. Like, but like a standard two piece lighting setup, I don't think it's that hard to like, to be able to to make Uh someone not look flat. Yeah. But if you want someone to pop, 
Yeah. That's a whole nother animal. Yeah. And if and you want to create a mood in a scene. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. There's I a like, lot. Definitely. I would like all my stuff was super moody in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, it just looks cool. And everyone's like, you look ominous. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, man, I think Mario's like, yeah, a bit emo or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm so sure that was like my <laughs> That was definitely my early stuff. Yeah. That was definitely he's my early stuff. He's got stuff. some deep angst. I think yeah. he's like working out through this like film project Dude, right now. Project's getting, that boulder is getting to him. He's just yeah. showing up in yeah. his work. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, so man, I have a question and I, I, I definitely, we have, uh, well, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. So um, what is the next big project for you? Like, what are you, oh. uh, what are you aiming for? Or you kind of like at a moment of rest and recharge or like, where are we at? Dude. Oh, I'm not at a moment of rest and recharge. I would love to be like, I kind of long for that right now. Um, I'm kind of in like a season of like a lot of like in my family, like my wife is very much in this season. Like we're in this together kind of, of like, relearning a lot of things. So unlearning some things that Mm -hmm. like we've kind of been like, uh, I don't know, ingrained in our whole lives and shifting around to, I don't know, hopefully live, uh, more, I guess, joyfully and more in community. Um, Mm. and coming to a place where we, mm, I'm trying to like, these are vague AF statements. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, if you're in a process of growth, you're trying to learn at the same time. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like not knowing how to swim and someone throws Mm. you into the water and it's like, they're giving you mild instructions. Like you're, Mm. you're kind of in it to me. It sounds like you're just in it. Yeah. We're definitely in it right now, man. Yeah. So like. Um, we're like, as a family, definitely focused on like the day to day a little bit right now. Um, like, and like, okay, like what do we need to do this day for us to like, there's been some kind of like family traumas that have happened this year. So like, Mm. what can we do to like, um, be present, like a healing presence with one another, like each day, like that's like a big theme in my marriage right now. Like, And like, um, yeah, like, yeah, dude, honestly, like my biggest, like priority in this season is like loving my wife and being like loved by her. Well, I think that's the thing. Um, And then like loving our son as good as we can too. Do that moves mountains. Yeah. So that's like a huge thing right now, man. Like, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like, um, obstacles in like the last year, like, and some kind of systems that we were a part of my wife and I like, um, like in religious spaces Mm -hmm. and intellectually too, that I don't think were helpful. Yep. Um, or maybe I don't want to say they were all unhelpful. Like, uh, the world is just more complex than like just saying, Oh, this was unhelpful, but there's a lot of like themes that we really needed to unlearn mm. and unlearning those things were, and are like kind of painful, um, yeah. but also joyful and like replacing them with something better. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's vague. I'm always happy to talk about it more in detail if anybody ever asked me. Um, but, uh, like, yeah. So like a deconstructing phase, but also like, um, replacing what's been taken down with beautiful and joyful things together. I think, um, you only build great things by breaking things that were once that you thought were once great. So yeah, dude. Yeah. That's how, that's how buildings, science, glass, art, everything is made. Mm -hmm. Like that's why like in pottery, they have you destroy your work. Yeah, dude. It's like, you have to like be willing to just smash it and break it. And you have to be able to smash and break something you actually care about. It can't just be something like I made this bowl. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's uh yeah, man. Art is that definitely yeah. that way. Um, and there's a lot of like discomfort, I think, around like shifting views of the world too. Cause like once you are like, I mean, I think back. we're all after like kind of under like creating a like perception of the world that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the world makes sense like in a lot it's of not ways. Supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, there's a lot of like security lost maybe like as a person and being like, Oh, the world isn't as predictable and as like chill as I thought it once was. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I don't know how to go into this next scenario. Like, um, exactly. And like bring like life and I don't know joy always into this next scenario, you know, like, um, so we're kind of like wrestling with some of those questions. Maybe. I think it's a beautiful thing. I don't think life is supposed to be full of joy all the time. No, it's not. dude. And I think that's like one of the hard things is like learning how to be present in painful circumstances and not just try to get through them as fast, but like letting Mm. pain and discomfort, like, yeah, work. That's like a portion of climbing where like the only time you learn how to like deal with pain, pain and discomfort is like climbing at the Creek or climbing at Vita or climbing on the moon board. (laughs) I mean, you can kind of just let go. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I guess. Um, I think if you're just pulling on hold is one thing, but once you're in a crack, yeah, dude, you're kind of in it. Like, Like it's not like, Oh, let me just come out of it. Cause I can't tell you how many times, like, the few times that I've climbed at the Creek, it came very apparent to me that I'm like, if I get out of this crack, it's going to be worse trying to get back into it. Yeah. And do it. so I'm just going to just like huff through yeah. this thing. I think it was like, I don't remember if it was like the incredible, I think it was the incredible hand crack. Mm-hmm. And I like on sided it. I was nice. very proud. Yeah. And, but I was like, yeah, I don't, I think it was the incredible hand crack and then something to the right and something to the left that I onsided mm-hmm. all three a couple nice, of years ago. Yeah. But like, I remember I was, cause the, I think the incredible hand crack has like a small little roof in it. Mm-hmm. Does it? And then uh, it, goes, yeah, uh-huh. and it goes up. Uh-huh. I remember pulling that roof and I remember cutting my feet. Oh, whoa. and then I was just like, and this is like the boulder and me yeah, coming out, yeah, you know, uh-huh. like sport climbing on boulder. I remember cutting my feet and then kicking my feet back up and twisting it in and going, bumping up my hand jam mm-hmm. and then bumping up, bumping up. And then I remember I was about to cut and do it again. And I was like, and it just dawned on me. I was like, if I come out of this thing, it's going to be a billion times harder yeah, dude. to do that. And my instinct is to come out and just pull, but I don't have any feet. I have nothing because I'm not on the ground. So mm-hmm. I can't act like I'm on a ground. I can't act like I'm climbing sport climbs. I can't act like I'm doing this other thing yeah. because I'm not 
doing that thing anymore because I've moved past that. Mm -hmm. And so, cause now I'm doing this other discipline and this other sport that is a part of life and a part mm -hmm. of this journey, which I think is very important to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. But I am no longer doing what I once was. And yeah, it's like, it, it's hard to stop yourself in the moment, especially on a route. And even more, especially in life when you're, you, you both have been doing something and going through life in these systems and these groups and these communities for so long. And all of a sudden now you're kind of like, this is not Wait, the way. Yeah. This wasn't working. Yeah. This yeah. is not the way. Yeah. Like this is no longer the way of the Mandalorian. Like we got to yeah, move dude. on. Yeah. We got to take that helmet off, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and I think that's a hard, hard, hard pill to swallow. And also I say kudos on you guys, because I think most people, and I'm not saying this didn't happen to you, but I think most people, when they recognize that, they go into a panic and they just try to hold on to what they already know and they try to make what they already know work. Mm -hmm. And I think if you have the wherewithal to be like, okay, this, this, as much as this frustrates me, breaks my heart, makes me confused, makes me feel lost, makes me feel dazed and confused. This, I, I need to take a breather. Yeah, dude. I don't have mm -hmm. to get off route. I don't have to take. Yeah. I don't have to do anything. I just need to be patient. Yeah. And just mm -hmm. like take a moment. Breathe. Yeah. yeah. Breathe. Mm -hmm. Assess it out. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm going to put one hand in front of the other like I've been doing, but mm -hmm. I'm going to make slight little changes, slight yeah. little changes, slight mm -hmm. little changes. Yeah. Boom, bop, boom, bop, mm -hmm. boom, bop. And then next thing you know, you know, that's what it is. You're done. Yeah. Well, you're not done, but you're, you're off of that route and you're on to the next thing of where you need to be. Yeah. 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 You're clipping the chains. That's what all we're trying yeah. to do, man. Yeah. We're trying to clip the chains of life. <laughs> yeah. Brother. Clipping the chains of life, bro. <laughs> um, if people want to support you, people want to give you job opportunities. How do people get in touch with you? How do people reach out to you? How can they find uh, you? Oh, you can hit me up on Instagram at Daniel underscore Poulain. P-O-U-L-A-I-N or email me at daniel at danielpalane.com. Uh, and man, yeah, I'm always psyched to create with people. That's like what I love doing. Oh, that's what we're here doing this weekend. Yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. Yeah. That's yeah. how we get to bond, man. Hell yeah. Heck yeah, dude. Well, dude, thank you so much for being a guest on Sends and Suffers podcast. Uh, it's honestly been beautiful hearing about the sending and suffering and the skills that you have learned to become the person you are. And I'm very excited for you and your family to elevate to the next level of what you guys are going to do. Thanks, I'm very man. excited for you guys. Dude, thanks for having me on. I'm just being curious about my life and like, dude, you're a rad dude. Loved and valued, man. I appreciate that. Dude, my whole goal is to talk to rad people and you're a rad dude. Thanks, man. Likewise. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode with Daniel and I. It was wonderful to relive this moment. It was a while ago, but God, was it good. If you haven't already, please support the Malawi trip that I've got coming up. We're going to Malawi, Africa, Jen and Eve Walker and myself. We're going there to do mentorship to do a bunch of things. And if you want more information, reach out to me or click on the links in my bio and all my social media feed. I think all of you are wonderful. I think you're lovely. And remember, if you're not suffering, you got to ask yourself, is the send even worth it at all? Because I don't know. 
I don't know if it is or not. All right, I'm rambling. I'm out of here. Yo, yo, yo.